Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, yellow leather, red! You know New York, you need New York, you know you need unique New York. And what's the one I don't know that you know? To sit in solemn silence? To sit in solemn silence? In a dull, in a dark, dull dark... Let me see. Let me see. Here we go. Here we go. This is the whole podcast from here on to out. To sit in beating. solemn silence in a dull, dark dock. To sit in solemn silence in a dull, dark dock. In a pestilential prison with a lifelong lock. With awaiting the sensation of a short, sharp shock. Pestilence prison? Waiting in for a, a short In a pestilential sh- prison. Pestilential prison. W- awaiting a, a short... long lock. With a lifelong lock. Awaiting the sensation... Awaiting the sensation of a of short, sharp shock. A short, sharp shock. I don't think it actually said sharp, but, but it should. I'm Alan Gerding, and this is the Tuesday Night Podcast, a podcast that is all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. And with me, I have the screw to my driver, the socket to my plug, the oral to my anal, Sean McCoy. Hello. Sean, it's been a while. Last episode was your own exclusive episode, episode 199, your solo adventures on planet parenthood. I enjoyed it. It was great. I had a lot of fun. It felt, um, I don't know what the word is for a podcast that's grown up and mature and at peak production value and quality. Son of a bitch. I see what you're doing here. Just really (laughs) a nice change of pace. From (laughs) No, it was a lot of fun. And this is the longest we've gone without releasing an episode because we've been really good for years now releasing an episode every week but then in the last few months i'll even say last six months sometimes we've missed a week so it's been every other week and this time it's been like four weeks since we released an episode why because i wanted to be special because this is episode 200 baby We had a lot of people email about their favorite parts of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Well, first, I'm really curious what it feels like for you, because you wanted to do the podcast for a long time. This was your baby. We now have 200 episodes. We actually have more than that. This is just episode 200, but that doesn't count the holiday spectaculars and all that sort of stuff, right? Correct. So that's a large body of work. 200 of anything is a lot. How do you feel about having 200 episodes in the rearview mirror? It's a bizarre roller coaster because on one hand, it feels like an accomplishment. And I look at our listeners, ebb and flow. The flow is when it's good, right? Yeah. I'm really surprised because we have some certain peak episodes, which shows that content really is king. For instance, when we had Sir Weenie talk about how it feels to get dogged by the Shut Up and Sit Down show, that was one of the most listened to episodes. But also our Mothership episode is the most listened to episode. But then the ebb makes you wonder just very insecurely, what the hell am I doing wrong? Why am I, why am I bleeding? Listeners. The short answer to your question is I look back in awe of how we have some real loyal knaves, knights and whatnot, because they come up to us at shows and they say, how do you do? That's great. 
What's your biggest piece of advice for somebody who wants to get to 200 episodes? Make sure you know why you want 200 episodes. If you're just doing it for the money, you should let me know how you're making money doing a podcast. If you're just doing it for fun, heck yeah, just 200 episodes. But if you're worried about running out of content, whatever, I would just make the show that you want to listen to. And I think that's true for everything. If you're a musician, you should be making the music that you want to listen to. If you're a producer, director, make the movies you want to watch. And if you're a programmer, make the games you want to play. Isn't that what you did with Mothership, Sean? Make the (laughs) game you wanted to play? I tell people to chase after yourself. I think you and I are both creatures of routine and we can go a long way and be very, very consistent if we do it week after week after week. And I think that's what a podcast requires is that you say, okay, we're gonna release weekly and sort of tailor everything about your content and your production value around being able to meet that goal because you can always increase that stuff later on as you get more time or as you get better like you've learned all about audio editing over the last few years right oh geez yeah ridiculous and so you've improved and in a lot of ways you've spent the same amount of time you haven't gotten faster but what you've accomplished in that time has gotten a lot better because you've realized oh i'm going to be spending this time anyway so i'm going to add this here i'm going to shave this off here to make the quality better right it's like my manscaping right it still takes seven hours but it's a lot more impressive when you're done A lot more efficient. I know what I like. I know what my partner in crime, Crystal, wants. (laughs) Pro tip. Typically, bald freaks them out. Don't go bald. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You got to have a little hair in the nuts. That's my advice. What were you saying, Sean? What's your question? Um, When did we start the podcast? What year? What month? Oh, my God. What has it been? Three years now? You know what I should do? I should just look on SoundCloud and see the date. Okay. (laughs) You're so smart. I'm the rambler. You're the... Rouser. Rambler and the Rouser, our next show. So what's uh, SoundCloud say over there? Man, SoundCloud's annoying. It said uh, four years ago. Holy smoke. But it didn't give me a date. And I'm trying to get that. Oh, I clicked the wrong thing. That's why. Release date, September 2nd, 2015. So more than four years ago. Whoa. (whistles) So you two, you and SBJ released the first episode, episode 000, starting... In September 2nd, 2015, four years and almost six months ago, September, October, November, December, January, four years, and four months ago. And you guys talked about coup, reformation, and code names. Oh, wow. Yeah. Check out this hot new game, Code Names. You're going to love it. It's going to be big, I promise. So, what's interesting to me about the podcast and looking back on all that time, I think about in my personal life, all the different places I've recorded because it's been very difficult for me to find a consistent place to record. So when I started out, I started out recording in the closet of my old apartment at the summer villas, which was very, very difficult. And the internet was shoddy. I actually had to get a new computer because my computer couldn't keep up to speed with it. That was a long time ago. Then I started recording in my dad's office and I recorded in this little break room that they had. And I would record during work hours when everybody was working. So I always kind of, um, yeah. Uh, how's it going? The podcast is people listening to that. That was the quiet phase. My quiet phase. Then Lindsay and I got pregnant and Lindsay had Langston. We had Langston and I fell off the face of the planet. I wasn't able to record <laughs> nearly as much, but I've yeah. recorded in weirder places since then. I recorded in a hotel room from San Antonio. I recorded 
my last solo episode in the middle of moving out of the old apartment complex, just like surrounded by boxes, holding Langston. And now I'm recording episode 200 at the desk at our new apartment, which has been pretty great. But to me, there's four years is such a long time. It's basically about as long as Lindsay and I have been together. In fact, it's longer than that. Lindsay and I get together. Lindsay and I call the 19th, I think, our anniversary, which would be a few weeks later when you and I go to XOXO Fest, which is just wild. Things have changed so much. Oh, my goodness. It's ridiculous. Sean, what's been the worst part of the podcast? I like to start off with negativity. I want people to listen to this, ask themselves, why the heck am I listening to these people be so negative? Captain Chessbeard. Really? (laughs) No, no. I just thought it'd be funny for the B team to hear that. The hardest part for me is like just the time commitment, keeping it consistent um, with everything else we have to do, because this is also part of our job, right? So if we're spending an hour or in your case, eight hours working on a podcast, that's something else that's not getting done. So we have to really want to do this. It's a big part of our marketing. And so for me, finding the time that worked for personal life, work life was difficult, but that's just sort of like a workflow thing. Yeah. And that's amazing to think, and I'm not dogging you at all. That's just the reality because you're not editing at all. So all you have to do is schedule the time, show up and record. So that's not even including the editing or any of that jazz. It's just talking for an it's hour. A, it's a good, it's like the difference between the work a GM and a player does. I'm a player. I just have to show up and play for two or three hours and then I go home and you have to like go home and make the world and craft everything and order snacks and make sure everybody wants to be there. And even just for me as a player, it was difficult. Some of that just has to do with stability. I think you've had a more stable life than I have in terms of like, couldn't find anywhere consistent that I wanted to record. My laptop's always with me. So I'm always resetting up and re-tearing down and all this other stuff. So there were these like little things that got in the way of me having, if I just had a box that I could walk into and be like, okay, go, it would have been a lot easier. But that's just like a personal picadillo and like a thing that you're going to have to deal with if you have guests, right? Like you have to organize and get our guests and make sure that they have the right equipment and that they're recording and that you give them, you even write a little advice thing about, hey, sit under a blanket in a dull, dark dock awaiting the sensation of a short, sharp shock. You know, don't have a cold. Hear a list of words you can't say. You do the whole nine. I always feel bad because if we're going to have a noble on the show, I send this email and I preface it. Every time I send it out with, please don't be overwhelmed by this. These are just some pro tips to help your enjoyment of the show be better. So don't get overwhelmed. And then here's three pages of little tips. So I have had some nobles that are coming out of the show respond back to that email, say, whoa, that's a lot. What about you? What's been your least favorite part? Definitely just the time sucks. Same thing, man. It's been really, really difficult. And I can totally appreciate why SBJ had a step away because doing a podcast is no small thing if you care about it. And I hate putting that little emphasis on if you care about it, but if you really want some quality, you are going to need to edit a little bit. I've always heard people say content is king. And I agree with that. However, In theater, they talk about these accidentals during a show. Like if your hat accidentally falls off, you now have this prop on the stage. Or if something gets knocked off the countertop accidentally, that happens in live theater. You have to call attention to it and fix it. As the actor, if your hat falls off, you have to go whoop and lean down, pick up the hat and put it on. Otherwise, the audience 
is now focused on that. And that is now the story rather than the story they're supposed to be listening to. When the fuck is he going to put his hat on? Are they just going to leave that hat there? Is no one noticing the hat? So for me, it's the same thing when I listen to podcasts and going back to your original question of what's your advice, make the show that you would want. And I want a show that doesn't have those accidentals that aren't addressed. So when I listen to a podcast and there's an egregious error that is unaddressed or there's some flaw that I have no idea why they didn't edit out, I unsubscribe, don't listen, drop it. That makes sense? Absolutely. Well, we also ask listeners, knaves, knights, comrades, everyone to send in their feedback. Let's go back and listen to some of these emails. Howdy. It's time for Interaction Satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. Tyler writes, Alan and company, I love Assassin. It's one of the most exciting bits on your show, but I hate the thought that the game is robbing you, Lindsay, or anyone else of enjoying the rare moments of cons where you all have a chance to unwind and spend time together. My suggestion would be to limit Assassin to only one con per year. That way you get to enjoy each other's company most of the time, but once a year, when Assassin is on, you can really go ham. Spreading lies to the other players, recruiting spies and bodyguards, and really making a full-fledged war out of it. That's just my two cents. Thanks, Tyler. Hey, Tyler, thanks for writing in. I really like that idea. What do you think, Sean? Do you think Lindsay would still up her game if she knew that it was only one day a year that we were playing Assassin? No, I think it's like a Roadrunner and the Coyote sort of situation where like she's not thinking about it at all ever. And you're like in a basement planning things, Acme props, the whole nine. You got blueprints. Lindsay's just kind of obliviously going like do do do. That's a good analogy, but it's very flawed because in this analogy, the Coyote would always get the Roadrunner because Lindsay has never won and the Roadrunner always wins. Yeah, that's what I think should happen. The Coyote should win. <laughs> Sir Weenie has a suggestion as well. And this is so Sir Weenie. Boy. Ben Canellis. He writes, I think you guys should let people sleep at night. <laughs> you should make sure there's no spiders. And I was thinking that maybe the shut up and sit down should love my games. No, that was mean. Hey, Alan, I was kind of bummed you were thinking of retiring Assassin with Lindsay. But what if you went in the opposite direction instead made it open to everybody? All it would take would be a little Assassin player card. People can download it from the TKG website where they fill in their name. They wear a badge in the badge holder, and if you spot someone with a badge holder, you can sneak up and assassinate them, claiming their player card. This is similar to the rock, paper, scissors game at Ravenwood. At the end of the convention, everyone emails their totals and the names of the victims and gets a shot at the podcast. Just an idea. Can't wait to see what you do for episode 200. So, Sean... To what is Sir Weenie, Ben Canellis, referring to when he talks about similar to that rock, paper, scissors game we play at Ravenwood Castle? <laughs> well, every year, twice a year, I run weekend-long social events at Ravenwood Castle. What is Ravenwood Castle? Nestled in the woods of scenic Hocking Hills, Ohio, Ravenwood Castle provides a charming setting 
with a medieval flair. That's right, because it's a whole freaking castle with, in my personal opinion, which is even cooler, this fairy tale-esque village right alongside the castle. So you can stay in a room within the castle, or you can stay in Rapunzel's Tower or the Huntsman's Lodge. These unforgettable cabin slash chateaus just bursting with a specific fairy tale theme. So think of it as like a bed and breakfast weekend getaway, but I get to host the entire weekend of these 50 plus guests doing all sorts of nefarious things. The one that is coming up soon is March 17th to the 19th, Sean, and Knaves Nobles, listeners alike, even the comrades I'm talking to you, they're still opening, so if you're interested in playing Weekend Werewolf, March 17th to the 19th, there's still some rooms available, but they're going fast. What is Weekend Werewolf? Think of it as a gaming convention where all everybody does is play non-stop board games. <laughs> it's a gamer's paradise, but that's not all. No, sir. There's these magnificent large social games about every other hour. One of these games actually takes place over the whole weekend, and that is Weekend Werewolf. So if you're familiar with Mafia Werewolf, imagine having an entire weekend of a game of werewolf where you vote every odd hour on who you want to be eliminated. But at the time that you're voting, you also get to use your special abilities because not a single guest is just a regular villager. Psh, no, everybody has a unique power. For instance, there is the baker. The baker, if you're so fortunate to be the baker, which doesn't sound like much, but is awesome. You choose three guests. When you choose those three guests, it will reveal one of the roles that one of those guests have, but you don't know which one it is. So like, I want to investigate Susie, Kyle, and Darren. And then it says, werewolf. What? Then you know at least one of those characters is a werewolf. That's just one of over the 50 characters you could possibly be, including a werewolf, executioner, fairy, leprechaun. There's so many characters, Sean. Getting ahead of myself. Seriously, check it out. Ravenwoodcastle.com or just Google Weekend Werewolf Ravenwood Castle and it will come right up. I also do the uh, Hallowicked weekends there. So every Halloween weekend, I host a costume party and a whole bunch of other social games. One of those games, and excuse the whole indulgence there, Sean, but one of the games to which Ben was referring when he mentioned that rock, paper, scissor assassin game is what I call zombie teeth. It's like Assassin where you wear a little badge that tells you that you're playing zombie teeth. Anywho, let's get back to his main question, Sean. The idea of doing this at conventions. Hmm. No. <laughs> I think Assassin is awesome. I think it's great with a large group. I think it's best if the group knows each other so they can set up their sort of safety and consent rules. I don't know about just like unleashing that onto a bunch of people at a con that don't know each other. We could do a thing where just the first 20 people to assassinate you at every con get a special prize, and that would just put you on edge for a while. <laughs> uh, but I do like doing something with Assassin. And like with big, loose group folk games like that, I really, I really enjoy. 
John X writes, I like that the show does its theme music to go with certain segments, but my criticism for the podcast is that zero episodes are too frequent. They just rehash the same content. 10% of your shows is the same information. And over and over and over again for constant listeners, I I've just started skipping through the zero episodes trying to find the new content. Fair. I think that if it was every 20 or something like that, it wouldn't be as bad. It's just a certain part of the episode that I could skip past instead of taking up the entire podcast. Writes John X. Hey, John. I totally agree. We won't be doing that anymore. In fact, this is our last zero episode for a while. Woohoo! Zero episode. No, I agree. And it didn't start to dawn on me until I was recording a lot because you'd get in the groove and you'd go, oh shit, it's a zero episode already. And then the show picks up a lot of lore or canon or inside jokes. And it's hard to know which to include and which not to include. But if you include all of them, it just becomes, it's like a clip show in a sitcom, if you're old enough to remember <laughs> clip shows. I've seen the Golden Girls. Thank you, Sean. Right, exactly. If you don't know, it's sort of like in Friends or some or Frasier, one episode out of 26 would have a very, very light frame story like, oh, Joey's doing an interview for this uh, soap opera digest magazine. But most of the show would be going, remember this? And they would cut to a clip from an old episode. So they don't have to record that much. They get another episode out of it and they're able to stretch their content a little bit further. And it might have been interesting pre-DVD world, which is, I think, where they really shined because you didn't have a lot of ways other than reruns to watch some of those old episodes. You got a lot of those clips in without having to have full knowledge of the show if you're missing them or week to week or whatever. But yeah, I do think the zero episode thing we haven't found a way to keep it as fresh. Or, or, or Talk about beating a dead horse. So John X, good news. That horse is dead. It's not coming back. So this will be our last zero episode. Yeah, where were you on episode 30, John? <laughs> yeah, John. You want some feedback about the podcast? Here it is, writes Oleg Baskakov. I think I actually nailed his name. Let me know, Oleg, if I totally ruined your name. But he writes, what do I like most? The storytelling in a board game context. I still remember how Lindsay played assassin, how she was calling Alan's wife, driving to the board game camp. I love Lindsay Road. All aspects of friendship with Alan and dirty underwear. I've listened to these episodes multiple times. Oh, wow. He's not alone, actually. A lot of people seem to like the Lindsay Road episode, so I give all the credit to her and none to me. Same. <laughs> Initially, I started my journey to the night because I wanted to learn communication and how to record voice the way it does Alan, and because I tried to Google L5R. I'm amazed by Tuesday night's breathtaking stories, elevator speeches, and Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you make less content, it's better to be remarkable. P.S. Here's my favorite episode, so if you're listening to this right now, get your pen and paper out because Oleg's going to give you his top three episodes. Episode 130, Legend of the Five Rings versus Game of Thrones, featuring Lindsay Road. Episode 079, Episode 79, International Tabletop Day Recap. Episode 115, Countdown, Action Edition, Mafia to Cuba, Shut the Box, featuring Lindsay Road. Cheers, Oleg. <laughs> Thanks, Oleg. Notice Lindsay's not on this episode. So sorry. <laughs> she died. Way to remind me. I assassinated her so bad, she's dead. <laughs> you ready for the most difficult one, Sean? Hit me. Okay, last one for us here from Richard Trout. Now this has nothing to do with episode 200, 
But Richard Trout writes, longtime knave, occasional contributor. In addition to regularly listening to the Tuesday Night Podcast, I also enjoy the Five By Podcast. The contributors do a good job of making the review succinct and try to help provide information as to whether you feel a game is worth trying. Ugh, get to the point. Don't talk about other podcasts. Yeah, come on. Jeez. They're generally positive. Fuck being positive. Negativity rocks. Anyway, sorry. Going on. (laughs) I rarely warn listeners away from a game. The latest episode, which was episode 64, includes a review by Sarah Ovenall of The Two Rooms in a Boom. And it calls out the art from the print play due to its representation of certain groups and an overrepresentation of white male stereotypes. The conclusion is that it is the type of game where you need to try to get into the head of the designers to enjoy, but they just couldn't do that when their perception of that designer was colored by the representations in the artwork. The comments jilted me, and as I've always enjoyed the game, and the same thoughts hadn't struck me that way. I'm a white male, so maybe I need to open my eyes a little bit more. Perhaps it struck those joining in the games that way too, but they felt they couldn't raise the issue. While I think Alan and Sean has a sense of college humor at times, they try to be sensitive to the views of others. So what do you think? Are Sarah's comments valid? Regards, Richard, a.k.a. Norkel Larfin Snarf. Oh, it's Norkel. Norkel. Yeah, they're totally valid. Totally valid. great example of how we have changed and how society i think has even changed in the last how long ago was that sean when did we come out with a print and play it's about a decade ago yeah yeah we've totally grown up since then i think the big thing is one for designers out there who are making a game with a kind of loosey-goosey theme like we were be careful of using a shorthand like you might say like "Ooh, who wants to be with the president and your first instinct might be, oh, the intern, because you don't know that like you've had that baked in through the Monica Lewinsky stuff and just political landscape over the last couple decades. Yeah, our original idea for the intern was to just have a picture of a cigar. That was our original idea. So we were like, no, that's too much. So we actually didn't use the cigar. We used female intern's legs. Which like now we would totally be like, oh, no, that's kind of gross. And we're right. changing as we revise the game as time goes on. So yeah, those are totally valid complaints. Absolutely valid. Also keep in mind that the most popular new game that was out at the time of us getting together, knowing each other, and making this game. What game was that, Sean? It was Cards Against Humanity, yeah. So there was this whole shock humor We've all learned better since all then. All these new board games were coming out and they all had the sensibilities of like stuff your parents would have played back in the day. And so this idea that you could bring your own adult swim sort of humor into the game was new. The idea that games could be funny and they didn't have to be sort of stodgy. Now these things ended up not being funny and now we know that. Yeah. But it was, it was kind of interesting to be in our heads back then because this is the bad part. We weren't thinking about this stuff at all. We were thinking about okay, does the game work? Okay, what's the role for that? Okay, that's fine. It wasn't like we were sitting around going like, ah, what will be the funniest thing we can do? We just kind of turned on the faucet and that's what came out. And so that says more about where your and my heads were at at the time than any sort of like deliberate intentional thing. Yeah, if we could do it all over again, I would do things totally differently, man. And we can do it all over again. And pay attention this year because you'll be very excited. Because we're coming out with two rooms and a boom too. (laughs) What? 
We've even shown it off at some of the conventions. I hope you enjoy poker chips. That's it for the email, Sean. Sweet. How do you feel? Feel like I just cleared out my inbox. Yeah, but we are behind on our Nave Tonight submissions and actually have a little treat because this isn't even a Nave Tonight submission. This is just a Night Tonight submission because I previously asked people to send in their scary stories and one of them showed up late. The Black Knight, one of our first nights ever, sent in a wonderful story because one of my favorite aspects of our show are definitely the Halloween episodes. And I love editing people's scary stories. And this one's a pretty good one. So are you ready to listen to The Black Knight's A Birthday to Die? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hit me. Here we go. Greetings, Black Knight here. I want to tell you a story of dickitude and death, mischief and manslaughter, of parties and pranks awry. I call this tale a birthday to die. Bored in a dorm on one Friday night, I grab some duct tape and look for a fight. The next room over, I launch my attack, leaping upon him and starting to rap. Down the hall, I drag him with glee. That is, until the RA sees me. A write-up in scolding or punishment for me. Then cutting the tape and let him free. The following night, out to party I go, celebrating my birthday. Let alcohol flow. To the front of the line, I cut to the keg. And for swigs of bourbon, I need not beg. After many an hour, many empty a cup. Then a bang on the door. Police, open up. The music is cut, drunken college kids flee. Out the side door I slip, they won't get me. Thrusting hands in my pocket and eyes to my feet, I walk away hoping no cops I would meet. But upon reaching my bed to watch ceiling spin, I had no idea what was about to begin. My door bursts open, duct tape screams off the roll. People rush in, at least twenty or so. Vengeance they want for last night's endeavor. We'll duct tape him back. That will be clever. A guy grabs my legs, arms as big as my thighs, holding on tight so I cannot rise. I thrash like a fish as my legs are bound tight. I flail and I squirm the best of my fight. Then hitting my head, time number four, I cease my flailing, limp on the floor. Binding me tight, justice is served. Then tape over my mouth what I deserved. As they gather and laugh, I cease to breathe, minutes pass by, this life I will leave. Upon glancing down, something seems wrong, my chest isn't moving, no air, for how long? Onto my bed, they hoist a lifeless mound, and removing the tape to see what will be found. Then off with my shirt, no signs of breath, no rising of chest, only of death. Then scattered they did, for what had they done? Involved in manslaughter, each and every one. What do they do with a corpse on the bed? A story concocted of finding me dead. And amidst the creation of the fabricated lies, my life force returns, but no sight in my eyes. Only darkness I see, thoughts rush in my head. They're talking about me, saying I'm dead. Then upright I sit, they scream out in fright. 
What's up with his hands? They're claw-like and white. Looking downward, vision returns. Muscles had tightened, but anger, it burns. With focus, I control my hands once again, and silently glare at my so-called friends. I sip on some water. They apologize. Killed once again, but undead, I rise. That's insane. That's that's nuts. I've never been duct taped. I've had my hands duct taped to alcohol. Oh, you've done Mr. Forty Hands or Edward I Forty Hands done before. That, but I have done variations on it for sure. So it's not Edward Forty Hands. Instead, it's Edward Jim Bean. What was duct taped to your hand? I had a bottle duct taped to one hand and then my other hand duct taped to a friend of mine. We were duct taped together. <laughs> <laughs> Edward Forty Hands is one of my favorite monikers cards. Which, can I just say, in the last 200 episodes, still stands out as the game that hits the table the most. We've probably talked about it the most, more than any other game. Yeah. But that's all going to change now with Wavelength. <laughs> Will, also known as Black Knight, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm so glad that you came back to life after your friends duct taped you to death. How about we do a new Nave Tonight submission? Boo. This Nave Tonight will be our 36th night. Whew. 36th night. You ready for this? Oh, yeah. Hello there, Tuesday Night Games. My name is Toast. I'm a kobold, and I edit, produce the Swarmcast podcast. Recently, for our quick draw segment where we review uh, one-shots and quick starts and things like that, the crew played and reviewed Mothership. I understand that you guys had something to do with that. So I had to record all of that garbage and edit it. The humans who were playing it had a lot of fun, even though they seemed to avoid most of the plot for several hours. I don't know. They were playing the Ypsilon 14 game that you guys were giving out in a little pamphlet form over at Origins. So John, the uh, warden for the adventure, he drew like a big map of the station. He made little markers for NPCs and such. He had some physical props that went along with some of the stuff in the rooms and things. He really went all out. It was kind of cool. It was a neat setup. And then, you know, those players showed up and messed up everything. They decided they were part of a prison transport ship and that two of the players were prisoners. I think what they really meant was agents of chaos. <laughs> Half the group felt they were the plot, not, you know, participating in the plot. And the other half of the crew had to just react to those other players. Needless to say, Instead of showing up to resupply at the mining station, you know, the way the adventure's supposed to begin, they just sort of crash-landed into it, and uh, when they were finally forced to deal with the actual plotline, by that point, so much had gone down that they were literally running blindly through things and pretty much all died by the end of the game. <laughs> it was glorious. John says he's looking forward to running Ypsilon again for the first time, if you know what he means. <laughs> so he uh, went to the website, like the pamphlet says, to get those audio files, and uh, nothing was there. 
So you end up creating a zone and you put them on actual cassette tapes, which you gave to the players with a tape player, of all things. Some of those players had no idea what the strange alien technology was. I mean, not the characters, the players. One of them almost uh, recorded over the message, which would have been hilarious, actually, now that I think about it. Anyways, my social media person uh, just gave me this. Tell me to read this. Let's see. You guys should come on our show to talk about stuff. Since the Swarmcast podcast at swarmcastpodcast.com is all about tabletop gaming from RPGs to board games and card games, and you make all of those things. You should check out our show, which has interviews, reviews, and a meta plot involving robots, kobolds, and a pirate ghost that runs a gravy restaurant. Hey, don't you guys have a pirate on your show, too? Seriously, though, you should come on our show, the Swarmcast Podcast. Again, this was Toast, Cobalt, and editor of the Swarmcast Podcast. Wah! Sean, so, Toast the Cobalt. Takes me back. Takes you back to what? He sounds like Meatwad. <laughs> he does. I wonder if he does that whole character through his actual Swarmcast podcast. That's insane. I mean, that's just a lot of work. That is a lot of work. But some people really dig into their characters. That's true. I don't really sound like this. This is a fake voice that I use for the show. And it is a lot of work. Yeah. In fact, that's actually me. I'm both voices. For instance, yep. I just said, yep. And not only did I say that, listen to this Sean impersonation. I'm Sean. I'm so cool. I'm never on the podcast anymore. Yep. Wow, it's brutal. (laughs) Scathing impersonation. The impressive thing is when I talk using both our voices at the same time, but Mm -hmm. that's the magic of editing a podcast. (laughs) You have to record it twice. You go through once just saying whatever you want is you. Hey, don't ruin the magic. Don't pull back (laughs) the curtain. My God. Me. (laughs) Anyway. So what do you think? Do we night toast the kobold? No, moving on. Or do we go on their podcast? Yeah, of course. We don't night them and we go on their podcast and they have to night us. <laughs> Fuck yeah, toast. We'll night you after you night us. <laughs> Twist. We're still at 35 nights, Sean. <laughs> Here's what I really liked about that is that they used Ypsilon 14 and you just released Ypsilon 14. We did. Yeah. Talk we should about totally it. knight them for that alone. Ypsilon 14 was a one page pamphlet module that we released for Mothership. Huge hit. People have been wanting us to put it out on PDF for a while. We haven't had time. We just did this week to huge success. And one of the cool things we've done, we've tried to do this with more of our PDF only modules is in the adventure you can find these cassette tapes, right? And we went and recorded the audio ourselves and we've put it as part of the download if you purchase the PDF on itch or drive through RPG, which is really cool because there's a lot of prop stuff you can do in sci-fi that you can't really do in fantasy, like recordings, but just the ability to use tech, to use website or your computer as a part of the world itself really makes the game a lot of fun. Being able to say, okay, you find this recording and click, here's what plays. And you click and it starts playing. I love that. So I'm really hopeful. If you like it, it's only two bucks. Uh, go check it out. The Haunting of Ypsilon 14 on DriveThruRPG or itch.io. And see if you like it. Let us know. I go nuts when something physical that's in the game we're playing appears 
in real life. For instance, that's why I love the patches from the Tempest Company from A Pound of Flesh. My players went balls over the wall when we were playing Mothership. They joined the Tempest Company, they do their first mission, and they earn patches in the game. And then when I pulled them out in real life and actually handed them patches, they shit themselves. It was incredible. So I love that. I remember back in the day when it was Warhammer fantasy roleplay that I was playing, there were actually books, the Book of Sigmar and whatnot. I bought those actual books. So when a player found a copy, handed that book to them, they go nuts. I love it. All right, let's just knight this dude, shall we? Let's do it. Knave, approach we nobles and kneel to allow us to honor thee. We, on behalf of all knaves, knights, and nobles alike, applaud thine heroic and knightly contribution to this, the Tuesday Night Podcastle. Allow us to dub thee Sir Toast the Kobold of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Now rise, rise, Sir Toast, as the newest knight of the Tuesday Night Gaming Table! <laughs> We're actually behind on our Knave Tonight's missions. Please keep on sending us Nave Tonight's missions emails. We'll knight you eventually. Email us, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Sean? Sweet. Yeah. I love how he almost acted like a shill for us, for Mothership, and for Epsilon 14. It's a great way to get knighted. <laughs> really pander to your uh, editors here. But we should also shill what we're supposed to. You ready for a sponsor spot? Yes, I am. Yay! Thank you for sponsoring us. Send us free stuff for money, and we'll talk about your stuff, but only if we like it. <laughs> hey, Sean. Yeah, oh yeah. Have you ever, have you ever felt unfresh, like your ideas aren't really good enough, and they, they just need to look better? Nope. Why not, Sean? Why don't you get that feeling? Because I get that feeling all the time. Because I use the GameCrafter.com, I think is where we're going what? with this. <laughs> That's absolutely where we're going with this. I don't have a follow-up why the GameCrafter makes me feel fresh. <laughs> it's a play off of the old commercial of the tampon commercial. Or, Mom, have you ever heard of it? Here, I'll do a better one. Okay. Son? Yeah? I found these crappy cards uh-huh. in your room. Yep. Do you do these crappy cards and these crappy components? Is this you? Did you do this? Mom, I want a tampon. Is that how it goes? Where did you learn this? Where did you learn this? I don't know any of these old commercials. God damn it. I guess the seven-year difference really comes into play here. I think I would remember them if I I saw them. I don't remember them when you're telling them to me and swapping out all the keywords for board game pieces. (laughs) That's fair. All right, we'll try one more. Ah, I've fallen on all of these horrible components, and I can't get up. Where's the beef? Is there any help for... Nope. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Where's the GameCrafter.com? Nailed it. Great sponsor spotlight. (laughs) Yeah, use the GameCrafter.com for everything you need to make your games great. Seriously. Speaking of, holidays are a time of spending a lot of time with friends and family. Did you play any board games over the holidays? I played a shit ton of board games over the holiday. You want to talk about it? Yeah, I mean, that's this show, right? It's time for a table talk. Sure. What, what are some of the highlights? Like, what are your top three? What hit the table the most? 
Just One is probably the biggest game of the last year or two. I think just the last year where you get just one word to get people to guess just one word. It's amazing. Is that Baldur so people love it. No, the, the game's called Just One. No, you I know, but just isn't one? that Balderdash or Password or whatever? Well, the difference here is this. Obviously, you haven't played Just One. No, I haven't. It's cooperative. So that's gold right there. All the players are trying to get one of the other players to guess just one word. And all the players get just one word to get them to guess it. But you write the word down and then you reveal it to the other player simultaneously before you reveal it to the guesser. And if any of the words are duplicated, they get knocked out. So imagine you're playing a game with five players and four players write down four different words to get the guesser to guess something and they all write the same word. That means the guesser has no words with which they get to guess. Damn. It's so simple. It's so elegant. It makes you wonder, just like back in Codenames days, why in the F has this game not already existed? It's so awesome. So that's just one. And that hits the table all the time. What about you? Do you have a gaming highlight? Thunder Road hit the table. Oh, you sent me pictures of that. So good. That was so fun. It's so photogenic. Oh, I know. It's a gorgeous game to look at. My brother got me Car Wars, the deluxe edition from back in the day, which was funny. And I was like, oh, we got to play Thunder Road. Lindsay and I played a lot of hearts with my parents, which was a lot of fun. I love trick taking games and I used to play hearts with them all the time. So we just sat around, ate dessert, played hearts over like a few nights. Like we moved really close to my parents. So we were over there for a few nights in a row, back and forth hanging out. And we'd be like, hey, let's uh, pick up our hearts giving in. And Wavelength, of course, hit the table. Uh, and we loved Wavelength. We ended up playing that all night long on New Year's Eve. It was funny because I said, hey, I'll teach you how to play it in less than a minute. And they actually timed me. So it was like some elevator pitch. And I did it with a lot of time to spare because it's just one of those games where you can just see one round played once and you instantly understand how it works. Oh, it was insane. I was at a Christmas party at my parents' house and my mom said, oh, a package came for you. And there's like 50 people here. We didn't play with all 50 people. That would have been amazing. Things were winding down. I said, oh, great. Cool. Like, let me see. So I open the package. I go, oh, it's Wavelength. And people say, what is Wavelength? And I go, here, I'll teach it to you. And I start taking the components out and I realize they have that tiny little rule book that like goes over the basic idea first. It's so amazing. But literally by the time I'd gotten the game set up, which was like just a minute or so, I had taught the game and we had started playing. It's the only time I can think of where I said, oh, I played this game once. I totally remember all the details about it. Here it is. I'm setting up the box. Okay, go. Um, you're on this team. Let's all play together. Whatever. It was a really crazy experience. I'm finally getting that way with some games. You're really good at remembering rules and teaching them, but it's hard for me, which is why I like games like Thunder Road, where it's like, okay, I remember pretty much all the details of this all the time. So Wavelength had that great feeling of time to table. We're just opening the box and getting started playing in a couple minutes. It was amazing. Yeah. You also mentioned Car Wars. Not sure if you know this. Steve Jackson Games just finished their Kickstarter for Car Wars 6th edition. I saw. <laughs> I thought it was funny because I had been looking at that earlier in the day. They made a little over half a million, not a little, 652,000. And Steve Jackson has done a great job of just re-releasing a lot of these games and, and making a killing. But I was looking at it going, oh, should I back this? It looks like they've updated. Well, I've already got, you know, there's Gaslands and this looks like it's probably competing with Gaslands. And I don't know how much better it's going to be because Steve Jackson games are super complicated, except for like Munchkin. But like Car Wars is a really complicated game uh, or it's a really crunchy game. 
Yeah, Steve Jackson games goes all the way back to the 80s when they had really crunchy, crunchy games. GURPS. <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah. But I didn't have any assurances when I was looking through the Kickstarter. I was like, it doesn't look like they've simplified things that much, even though they say they have. But I still like Car Wars, and I love the concept. And then he gave me the old version for Christmas, and I loved it because I'm a big vintage game fan. So it was perfect. But then I was like, oh, let's play Thunder Road instead. We could be done in 15 minutes. What about... 2020 what's the future look like for you sean the two big things i think that we're focusing on here are the mothership box set what can't wait and two rooms in a boom two i think those are our big 2020 items new version of two rooms in a boom that should reestablish things so we can make more expansions going forward because we've really gotten bogged down on all these components over the past we could go decade. on and on oh, about the sure. story two rooms in a boom would be way more than it is now if it wasn't for issues with color constancy etc but yeah i'm just looking forward to finally getting out all of these ideas for two rooms in a boom that i've been using for years it's gonna be fantastic it's gonna be so fun and then uh, the Mothership box set, where we're going to oh, release an updated player's survival guide, a warden's operations manual, basically a dungeon master's guide, a book for aliens and monsters and horrors, with all sorts of goodies that we're trying to pack into this box to really make it a complete first edition, look great on your shelf, easy to run, lots of goodies. I'm super excited about that. You and me both, brother, because I play a lot of Mothership. In fact, whew, I'm in the middle of a campaign right now, and we're going to play tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome. Because last time we lost a player. Who'd you lose? Solomon? Solomon. Yeah. yeah we lost Solomon. Or as his character is called, Bilderberg the Teamster. <laughs> he obviously didn't understand the idea of sci-fi horror, and he stood by his decision to taste an alien. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap it up. So we're going to do things differently for the next 200 episodes. Are you ready for this, Sean? Yeah. I'm on the edge of my seat. This will be not the end of the Tuesday night podcast, but this will be the end of the way we typically do things because the next episode isn't going to be episode 201. But what I want to do is do something along the lines where I have very sniper-focused episodes that have a theme. For instance, I would love to have about three episodes that are nothing but a mothership playthrough, a full narrative arc of some mothership adventure. I would love to have a season that's between three to six episodes that's all about different, very specific stories of discrimination within the board game industry. Maybe there is an entire season that is nothing but our favorite games of all time. Just something that has a serial order to it where each little bundle of episodes has its own nice package storyline that makes sense together. That way when you listen, you get a nice little snippet that keeps you anticipating the next episode and the next episode. We can do away with the zero episodes because you just listen to the first episode of a six episode season. So rather than doing them um, episode after episode, week after week, with a machine gun fashion, I want to do a nice sniper for a lot of different reasons. One, for quality, for the content, also for my own sanity, for the fact of editing and organizing. 
And I'm not ending the podcast, but I think in a way, evolving it with the hope of higher quality. I love it. I love the idea of picking a topic, doing a season, and then going on hiatus again until we find another topic. There's 200 great episodes of content behind us that are like the week-to-week thing, but I think we want to focus on game design and we play games every week, but it's not like a weekly review or gaming podcast. It's really become about stories. And I think for us to evolve the show, we need to dig in deeper on some of these stories. And it's something you and I have always wanted to do, but it's really hard to do with the pressure of, you know, it's like being in the newspaper business. You've got to have content every day, every week coming out. And that time crunch means that we'd have to drop everything. And if podcasting was all we did, if we ran a Patreon for the Tuesday Night Podcast, and this was the sole way we made money, it would make a lot of sense to both have great weekly content and to dive into these longer stories. But I think since what we really want to be doing is making games, I think it makes sense to, to try this new approach. Well said, sir. One of the difficult things in this new model is a huge part of our content has been the nobles, the guests that come on the show, and they pitch their games that are coming out. But now that we don't have this weekly thing, that puts a little hamper on it. So there's going to be fewer nobles. And that kind of excites me because then I can be snobby or snootier on who we bring in because there has to be a specific overarching theme that fits in with the season. So instead of just being shills for the latest Kickstarter or the latest company or whatever, we have people coming on that genuinely have something to say. I think the big episode that really taught me this was when we had Sir Weenie on and he talked about his heart getting ripped out of his chest by Shut Up and Sit Down and then having Shut Up and Sit Down come on and talk about what it's like to rip someone's heart out. That kind of content is what I think I want to listen to. And that's the kind of content we're going to make. That also does still include Nave Tonight submissions and emails. So please let us know your thoughts, concerns, criticisms. Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. As a Nave Knight listener alike, a comrade, if you want to contribute to these future seasons, we'll be posting what season we are currently developing on our social media. That way, when you send in your emails to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com, they can be in reference to whatever specific material we're seeking. And we'll ask you. We will tweet out Facebook, Instagram, whatever, saying... Hey, send us your stories of X, or what do you think about Y, etc. So, please follow us on all of your social medias, at PlayTKG. And again, I apologize if we haven't gotten your Nave Tonight submission. We're going to. I think this episode, we should end it with this season is finished, as opposed to this episode is finished. I agree. All right. Still, share the shit out of the episodes, the future seasons, like us on uh, any place you can get us. Uh, subscribe. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, emails. And I think with that being said, Sean, this season is... Finished. <laughs> <laughs>